The following is part of a seven-episode mini-series featuring a select group of 500 startup portfolio companies that participated in the Alibaba eFounders Initiative. The entrepreneurs, who were all from Southeast Asia, visited the Alibaba Business School campus in Hangzhou for 11 days earlier this year and were coached directly by Jack Ma and his team. Welcome to The Jay Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is Magellan Fatalino, co-founder and CEO of Acudeen Technologies. Acudeen Technologies is an online peer-to-peer marketplace for receivable discounting in the Philippines that provides accessible financing to underbanked SMEs by letting them sell the receivables from multinationals and blue-chip companies to Acudeen's financing partner network. Magellan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thanks for inviting me. Good to have you on. And uh, for the audience listening in, uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of uh, personal background, uh, you know, where you're from, what you uh, did beforehand, you know, maybe some of your uh, academic history and then your career history that led you up to becoming an entrepreneur. Got it. Well, uh, I'm from the Philippines. Uh, I grew up in Manila and uh, my background essentially is uh, from college until my master's. I took up entrepreneurship uh, and uh, being uh, exposed to uh, the to the business world as early as uh, my teens, uh, I, I was really struck uh, by the idea of having my own business after graduation. So before I uh, before even graduating, I was already telling my parents that hey, I want to be part of our family business afterwards. So uh, when I had the opportunity, um, uh, I my initially my first training was being part of our family business, which supplies to large companies. Uh, and uh, uh, after that, uh, I realized how big of a problem receivables are for small businesses, uh, since it was a big problem for our family business as well. And it became the precursor to what is Acudine today. I see. So uh, it was a direct uh, pain point that your family business was experiencing uh, that led you to starting the startup. So I think it's pretty cool, Magellan, that uh, you know you sort of have always wanted to become an entrepreneur. You knew that. You studied it, uh, and here we are. You you have become an entrepreneur. So uh, for some of us that aren't list, that aren't familiar with uh, with how. Uh, receivable receivables financing works uh, for especially for SMEs um, and how important cash is uh, and cash flow. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, a background uh, on on basically on on that world uh, because I think that for some of actually for many people um, this is something that they have never heard of or maybe have never experienced because they've never actually run a, a small business themselves. Sure. So uh, receivable financing is. Uh, is essentially an alternative way to get uh, financing uh, using uh, invoices uh, or other, uh, other other forms of receivables like POs that are essentially assets but are not liquid. Uh, normally, these are due in 90 days, 120 days. So the thing about SMEs, it's hard to get financing from uh, traditional means. Like if you go to a bank, you're a two-year-old business, especially in an emerging market like Philippines, 
hmm. it's almost impossible to get a decent loan or a clean loan. Uh, and more so, they would uh, a lot of banks would require to require you to give a collateral, a hard collateral like real estate. But if you're starting a business, uh, normally you wouldn't have any valuable asset that you can collateralize. Hmm. But if you would look deeply into the balance sheets of small businesses, about 35%, uh, and this is true for Southeast Asia, are unutilized receivables. So if only these SMEs can use these receivables as some sort of collateral or even as a tool to get financing, it would really create a, a very inclusive environment for small businesses. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty straightforward explanation. Perhaps to uh, to ex- you know exemplify that, maybe we can just run through a very simple example. Uh, perhaps even using your your family business uh, of how that would actually work in real life. So um, you mentioned that you your family business was uh, you were a supplier. That is correct. So. Uh, as an example, uh, we used to supply uh, the pills used for medicine. So we supply to large pharmaceutical companies, and a lot of these are multinationals. But typically, these multinationals will impose a 90-day payment term or, worst-case scenario, even a 150-day payment term. And as a small supplier, uh, you have essentially no power to uh, negotiate uh, this term. You just have to abide to it, especially if you want the business. And so sorry, sorry to interrupt. So basically, what that means is you have to send them the the pills, basically, or the the goods, and then you don't get paid for that until ninety or up to one hundred and eighty days afterwards. Exactly. Right. Okay. So this creates quite a quite a bit of a lag as far as uh, your your cash situation, right? That is true. Uh, it's a massive cash flow gap, and a lot of SMEs experience this. Okay, great. So let's continue with the with the um, with your example here. Okay, so so let's so let's use your example. Uh, you're supplying these uh, these goods uh, to these large multinationals. Uh, you're you're experiencing a lag in uh, your basically you're you're getting pay, your payments on on the goods delivered. You're you're experiencing a lag, which can really uh, be detrimental oftentimes to smaller businesses, especially when they're they're, they're you know they need the cash. So uh, let, let's talk about how your company now Acudine will help uh, solve this problem. So how we're able to solve uh, this cash flow issue for your small businesses is we allow them to. Uh, utilize our platform to reach out or to to connect to funders uh, like financing companies and uh, even banks uh, who who are looking for uh, for uh, for loans or loans to give. And the thing is, uh, we make it easy for them to be bought uh, their invoices, their receivables, because uh, we essentially do the due diligence for uh, the banks. And mm. within the same platform, the transaction happens. So we also help in the facilitation of the transaction. So at least when they upload, let's say, a receivable, uh, and then we, after doing our due diligence, uh, in the same platform, they will be able to get the funds uh, or at least the action to, to buy the to buy the receivables happens within uh, within the platform, and they get the money within three days or less. Okay, wow, that's pretty good. So, so Acudin is the is, is the actual technology, is the platform that connects the SMEs to the 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 funding side, right? The lenders. That is correct. Okay, great. So let's uh, continue on with this example because I think that this is the best way for the audience to understand how this works, this mechanism works. So, um, or the technology rather. So, uh, okay, let's say um, you know. 
Magellan, you're 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 working with your family business and you're experiencing some some frustration because there's a say a 90 day lag between your um, the cash that you're receiving for the goods that you shipped out. So you turn to this uh, this hot new startup called Acudine. Mm-hmm. Um, what walk us through the the user experience? How do you actually onboard to the platform or apply uh, for um, you know to to receive uh, you know cash for your for your invoices? Sure. So as a user, you have to create an account with us. So if, mm-hmm. uh, let's say you are a small business, uh, you go to the, to the website, register, and we, we, do, uh, we, we essentially do a, a KYC, a Know Your Customer process, mm-hmm. wherein we ask for your business documents. Uh, we ask for uh, the, the owner's uh, uh, identification, uh, and we create a profile for you. And uh, it would normally take us a day to uh, authenticate uh, some of the documents, like let's say your business registration and all. Uh, and after that, uh, once we approve your account, you can already start uploading receivables and uh, contracts uh, that are that you, know, you wish to sell uh, in the platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you upload these invoices, uh, uh, immediately you'll be given like uh, a, a cost to it because we charge a discount for these receivables. So, for example, right. if you upload a one hundred dollar uh, invoice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you will be given an option to to sell it at let's say uh, ninety five, uh, right. uh, and let's say you agree to the rate, uh, we, the funders will then uh, uh, start to to bid on it. And let's say if one one of the funders buy it at ninety five dollars, uh, you get the ninety five dollars straight to your bank account uh, within three days or less. And what happens is let's say after if it's during ninety days, after ninety days, uh, we we collect it from uh, the SME's client directly. Mm-hmm. And obvi- uh, once we collect it, uh, obviously it's going to be a hundred dollars. We give it back right. to the funder, so the funder essentially makes five dollars out of that transaction. Uh, but at the same time, the small business gets the money in advance, which most likely he needs for uh, his working capital. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. That's that's a great example because it's very clear. Um, so a couple questions off of that. So uh, first of all. How do you, as a middleman now, uh, what, what is your revenue model? How do you collect fees on these transactions? Our revenue model uh, is based on usage. So we charge tech fees uh, on both on both sides. Uh, so we're true to our model. As a marketplace, we essentially have two customers, uh, both, mm-hmm. both the sellers and the funders. So we charge uh, a rate for uh, when you list a receivable, for example, uh, we charge a, a fixed fee uh, of uh, $5.00. Uh, and for example, if you are uh, a funder, uh, we charge an origination fee. So uh, essentially, uh, by bridging these two customers, we make money on both ends. I see. Okay. And so you don't actually touch any part of the actual spread um, based on the bidding. You just literally just charge fees on each side, uh, a true sort of marketplace uh, framework, right? Exactly. Uh, to the point that the funds that flow through our platform, it, it does not even flow through our balance sheet. So it's a pure marketplace uh, uh, marketplace play. Uh, and what we just did is we created an escrow facility for these funds uh, to move from one uh, participant to another. I got it. Got it. Okay. And then uh, and then the other question is, so on the funding side, who is eligible for to, you know, be, be applied to be a funder? You know, I mean, is it restricted to sort of larger institutions and banks and lending, uh, you know, type companies or can can it even extend to sort of investors? Because I mean, I can see that this could be a, a quite a lucrative, uh, a shorter term investment for maybe a family office or, or this type. Absolutely true. Uh, I mean, we're all about inclusivity. 
uh, we made sure that the platform is open to to funders, uh, even to individuals who are mm. willing to buy these receivables. Yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely a very it's kind of a niche play, uh, space that not a lot of people know about. But I think it's very unique, and I think it's actually um, it's very interesting once you once you kind of understand the basics of receivables uh, financing and this sort of thing. Um, you know, there's one of your competitors that we've had on the show up here in Hong Kong. They're called Cupidal. I don't know if you've heard of very them. Familiar with um, our, uh, with Cupidal. Okay, yeah. So it's I mean, yeah, I guess you would be because you know there's there there probably aren't that many in the space. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, and I, I love the. I love the business model, and um, so so okay. So quickly back to the 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 example. So um, you know uh, your your company, your your you have say ninety days lag. So I, I jump on Acudine and I uh, I basically upload my invoice for a hundred dollars because I need the cash right away. Um, it, it goes out uh, I guess to the auction uh, after after I go I get through the onboarding and KYC and this sort of thing. Once I have my account set up, I upload. How long does the time between upload to actual hitting the auction? Uh, how long does that take? Uh, that that takes less than twenty four hours. Uh, okay. One key ingredient that we have is we have existing relationships with a lot of these large companies based in the Philippines. Uh, so a number of these businesses were actually integrated to their ERP system. And that makes it possible for us to verify and validate invoices uh, to some extent, almost real time uh, for some cases. Uh, and, uh, and for those without the ERP integration, the relationship with the, with the, with the big companies makes it possible for us to verify within one day. I see, I see. And and now, uh, so once the invoice is uploaded, is there a time limit on the auction? As in, let's say it's a very uh, stable business that a lot of investors are interested in and the bidding starts at 95 and it slowly starts ticking up. Is there a t- like a open window uh, and then the auction closes or does it, you know, how does that work? So uh, we normally run auctions uh, for invoices on, uh, we have a time limit of uh, nine hours. Uh, and it just, and uh, aside from that, uh, normally uh, even before, because we we allocate like a floor price to the discount. So when it reaches the floor price, uh, uh, floor price for the discount rate, it normally ends ahead of the nine hour timeline. Ah, I see. So I, I guess that makes sense because it, if it would, I mean, it would get to a point where the the discount wouldn't be large enough that it would be worth anyone's time. So I guess there's a cap, right? Exactly. Okay, I got it. Uh, okay, and then so so that's pretty interesting. And then um, as far as how do you deal with the rare occasion where perhaps the uh, the the multinational or whoever is actually paying the money, uh, what if they're delinquent on their terms? So let's say it's ninety days and they still haven't paid. What, what what happens in that situation? Two things that we did to mitigate this risk. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one is before us, uh, an SME even sells uh, an invoice, we already uh, we already know the payment behavior of whoever the client uh, the client is. So, right. example, if it's ABC, if the receivable uh, is from uh, a multinational, and we know that that multinational pays forty five days late. Uh, we already incorporate that 45 days uh, in the pricing and in the expected time before it gets paid. So we, we allocate that allowance. Hmm. The second thing is, let's say, okay, we allocated 45 days and it still didn't get paid. Uh, maybe there, uh, there is a, uh, there's just a process issue or whatever. Um, we have an insurance component. So if you're a funder, uh, you can trigger that insurance and uh, essentially 
uh, it secures up to 90% of what you invested in. Uh, but at the end of the day, as of now, we only accept invoices uh, for goods or services that has already been delivered, which means the performance risk uh, is uh, eradicated uh, in this whole ecosystem. So uh-huh. in, in essence, uh, the only risk that you have is delayed payment. So if you right. wait for it, then uh, you, you make more money out of it. Uh, but if not, there's always the insurance. I see. Okay, that's a pretty good backstop then having that insurance at play. And um, Okay, well, that's great. I mean, uh, Michelle, I think we have a pretty good understanding of how your, your company works and how the actual receivables financing world works because I think that's that could be new for, for many of our listeners. Um, and it sounds like you guys are, are tackling a, a pretty big uh, pain point and solving a pretty big problem, especially in a market uh, in the Philippines that, that needs it because I imagine there are a lot of SMEs there um, that are in need of this sort of thing. Where else are you? Are you, are you just in the Philippines? right now or are you in any other countries do you have plans uh, to expand within southeast asia we're now in two markets philippines and myanmar uh and uh, we're about to roll out q1 of 2019 in indonesia uh and vietnam uh simultaneously wow very nice. Uh, Myanmar is that's that's quite interesting. Uh, I'm I, I, I'm surprised that that was your second market that you went into. I, I imagine you have some sort of connection or, or network there. Exactly. Uh, it's more opportunistic than strategic, uh, to be mm. honest. Uh, we had the opportunity to work with a, a VC who was very interested to to license our product, and for us, it's a revenue generating uh, activity, and it was a good way to actually test out another market and uh, the best way to roll out in another market. So at least for us, it's also a, it's also a means to experiment and learn about uh, the best way to roll out our product for uh, the other markets that we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it sounds pretty, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely opportunistic, but it sounds like a win-win. And it's, um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, it could be a, an asset for, as you expand because, uh, you know, there's not very many uh, startups that have actually uh, been able to penetrate that market. You know, I mean, even, even the multinationals are having difficulty right now get trying to get into that market. So uh, very cool, Magellan. Um, so as we look to uh, wrap up our interview, and thanks again for the, the great overview, you know, I, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit here. Um, you, you know, our, our mutual friends at 500 Startups um, were, were the ones that sort of uh, introduced me to your company and, um, you know, your portfolio company of 500 Startups. And you recently went through um, the Alibaba eFellows program. Uh, and so I just wanted to spend the last couple minutes uh, just asking you about that program, what your experience was like. Were there any key takeaways that you would like to share with the audience from that program? It was a, an absolutely uh, wonderful experience. Uh, it, it, one of the key things that was uh, really great to, to know and to learn is how massive the adoption of, uh, of, uh, of, the, of the society when it comes to, to, to transacting cashless. Uh, it, firsthand, I was able to see how individuals in in China would just pay using their face uh, for a particular <laughs> transaction. Yeah, that's how advanced they are. But I wow. guess the more spectacular thing is how it happened in five years. I mean, five years ago, it's not like this. Uh, you need cash in China. But in just a matter of five years, everybody was able to transition to, to a cashless uh 
environment. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And and did they? Uh, I mean, Alibaba is obviously the, the the market leader there uh, within e-commerce. Uh, was there strategies that were discussed during the program that would uh, that that or any takeaways that that they gave you to in, specifically in regards to sort of uh, growing your own customer base and and integrating you know uh, you know sort of uh, cashless uh, payments or anything like that? So. Alibaba lives by this uh, model called uh, the Iron Triangle. And the Iron Triangle is composed of uh, e-commerce, logistics, and payments. So hmm. If you've noticed, uh, when they try to look at another market, it's either they uh, approach it starting with e-commerce or with e-payments or with logistics. But the three things are intertwined. Uh, normally, so for example, how did they start Alibaba? They started with e-commerce. But as the e-commerce adoption increases, they started to feel uh, pains when it comes to payments. So what did they do? They came up with Alipay. And, and then uh, as more transactions uh, came into play, their next issue was that there were more orders. And obviously, they had pains when it comes to logistics. So what did they do? They came up with China. And uh, this integrated system uh, essentially made it possible for them to transact millions and millions of dollars in like seconds uh, efficiently. And how were they able to test their capacity? They, they test it every single day, uh, which, is, which happens in 11-11. Right. So that's how they measure whether their capacity for logistics, e-commerce, and payments is efficient enough to cater a big market. So, uh, so interestingly, if you're a Southeast Asian startup or company and you want to be acquired by uh, Alibaba, you may want to align uh, with either of these uh, three uh, verticals. Very, very interesting and insightful. I, I had, no, I hadn't really heard of it defined as that the Iron Triangle. You know, I mean, it does make sense now that you explain it. It makes total sense the way that they're they've positioned themselves and and, and expanded their business uh, the verticals. But you know, that's that's uh, that's pretty uh, insightful and and yeah, great great uh, advice to any. Uh, any uh, startup founders <laughs> looking for an exit, you know, an exit and be acquired by Alibaba, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Magellan, look, it's been it's been uh, such a pleasure catching up and and hearing about your uh, your great company. And uh, thanks for sharing your insights, um, you know, and, and explaining how your company works. Um, we're excited to see uh, sort of the growth and 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 the progress that you guys make coming up. Where is the best place that people can find you or follow you or learn a little bit more about AQD? Uh, our website is www Acudine, spelled as Alpha, Charlie, Unicorn, Delta, Echo, Echo, Nancy, dot com. So if they, if you guys are interested to learn more about the business, just uh, go to our website or follow us in our Facebook or Twitter channels. Great. And uh, are you on social at all? Or, or I guess you're on LinkedIn, I think. I'm on LinkedIn. Just, uh, look for Magellan Fetalino. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Magellan. Thanks for your time. And, uh, and, and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Jay. Cheers, buddy. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week.
This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under three hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.